TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and every week I bring you a new guest on this podcast and today it is the Costa Rican cowboy himself, the centenarian from Nicoya, Dr. Damien Christoph. How are you, cowboy? Ah, uh, so good. That's the best one so far. How good was that cowboy in that oh. episode? Geet, can you believe he's 100 years old? Was he 190-something years old yeah. on that uh, on that horse? And he yeah. rode it like he was 16 years old. Unbelievable. He'd swing his leg over. Cheapest. Yeah, he. I just wish I could recall his name. I'm being silly and trying to double, uh, double uh, do two things at once, which I'll stop doing. Um, but this episode <laughs> is around Costa Rica, more specifically mm. the Nicoya Peninsula, which is the mm. fourth blue zone featured or was it the fifth i think it was the final blue zone featured we discussed ikaria last week before that we spoke about sardinia and um loma linda and before that okinawa so yes Mm -hmm. nicoya costa rica the final Mm. blue zone uh featured in live to 100 secrets of the blue zones this is our review we're not finished yet there will be another episode after this because we've got singapore in the future of blue zones to discuss but demo Yes. You've got some uh, big views on all of this. I know you're ready to tee off. Hmm. The stage is yours. The mic is yours. I'll go on mute and I'll give you this entire episode if you want. Nah. So over to you, great man. No, nah, you don't need to do that, PC, but there was a few little things in this particular episode that got my goat. Um, the first thing was very, very clear that uh, in Costa Rica, it was very primitive um, and the way in which they managed to survive was through Struggle Town. You know, they worked really hard. They tended the land. Um, they made do with what they had, and there was never any thought given to an expiry date. They just had to keep on going. It was just the way that they had to do it. Uh, fortunately, and, and science has gone on to prove that they did make a good decision here, they blended um, their carbohydrates in order to get the full range of macronutrients. So they used uh, beans um, and corn, and uh, and one of the jokes that I often talk about you know, whether it's a joke or tongue-in-cheek or whatever, I talk about most people's digestion hasn't evolved to be able to break down the the starch of the corn um, to be able to absorb the nutrition from the corn that's of any kind of benefit. So the way in which they do it uh, in Costa Rica was to you know, really break it down and to soak it and to, you know, almost have it partially digested to get in there. So unless you're going to do that, you're probably not going to receive much benefit from the corn, you know what I mean? So unless you're going to prepare the corn in the same way that the Costa Ricans do, and then you have the black beans and so on and so forth in the same way that they have it, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get the nutrient balance that was purported to be achieved by the the combination of those foods. So I felt that in this particular episode, the nutrition explanation was fell short just because the ingredients were there. It was it was um, you were led to believe that you just have those ingredients together and you'd get a result. But that won't happen because you have to prepare the corn in a particular way to break down the cellulose structure in order to access the nutrition, the amino acids of the corn to get the benefit from it. So I just want you to keep that in mind. 
Oh, okay. So we've got to dig a bit deeper in this because I had a neighbor uh, say yes. to me this morning, I watched Secrets of the uh, of the Blue Zones and I thought of you, Marcus, and I went, you know, and bought a bag of nuts last night and I was like, you know, because like, you know, we just, we get excited, right? We love this. Now, I will admit, I drank the Kool-Aid when I saw this episode and it spoke about how the way that uh, the beans in the corner prepared and it fills in the the nine uh, missing amino acids amino. that yeah. that we don't get, you know, when we don't have the animal uh, uh, pro- animal protein and so on. Um, I was like, okay, well, they've worked this out. What completely, and again, as the consumer, and this is what I really want to double down on, as the consumer, I did not connect it to the very fact that it was the way that they prepared it. I just connected it to the fact that they combined it. So can you go into more detail here? Because if people are like me, I was like, oh, great. So they've combined it. So they're sorted. Um, Can you just double down on this? Because this is not as simple as going down to the health food store, supermarket, farmer's market or whatever and just getting set ingredients. Yeah. Let's start by saying that they're probably not using Monsanto corn. Like they're not using the corn, this GM. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that they're using a high quality corn. So uh, it's also possible that they're not using just yellow corn, but for the sake of the TV show, uh, it was yellow corn. They could be using blue corn or whatever corn it is that they're growing. Um, and so there's that. The other thing is too that in the lands that the corn is grown, it's not over sowed, and you know there's not a huge industry growing the corn, so the nutrient levels in the soil will be way better the nutrient levels in the soil of the corn crops that we probably get our corn from here in Australia, New Zealand, England, um, the US, like it's very different. Like it's a, it's a different landscape and it's not, they're not going to have um, glyphosate sprayed all over it like we do um, in Australia and in, in the Western world where we grow corn as a crop to feed the chickens and and to feed the cattle to make them fat so that we can feed the masses. Like, so it's not, it's different. It's different corn. The other thing is that the way in which they prepared it was that they cooked it for a long time. Like it was cooked for a long time and made into a mush and then it was milled and it was broken down. It was, you could say, partially digested. Um, and that meant that the little corn fibres, the cellulose structure of the corn um, was largely already broken down before it entered the human body which means that there's more chance of you accessing the nutrition from the cellulose structure the corn itself rather than just the mushy soft sweet stuff that's on the inside which is the carbohydrate dense component of it uh, which is gonna you know sit on your bum or your waist or your thighs or your hips or your boobs so like we're talking about that excessive carbohydrate that we get access to from the corn because we don't prepare it in the way that's required in order to get access to the nutrition that you would get access to um, if you did it right. So it's not just the pairing of it, it's the preparation of it. Now we can talk about, and I used to often say this, if you're a vegan or a vegetarian and you're wanting to get adequate amounts of protein, then you're combining grains and legumes to get the right amount of amino acid. But I've never recommended corn from a nutrition perspective as a great way to, you know, to sub in a grain. I've always said use brown rice so or quinoa. So, But again, the preparation of this is really important. So you've got to soak it. You've got to make sure that it's, you know, soggy and then cooked appropriately and not cooked too much and not too little 
So there's a process, and then with your legumes, you've got to soak them. You can't just rip them out of a tin. Like you've got to use the dried version, soak it for a day or two. Then you've got to cook it really slowly, break it down, let the nutrition fall apart to come out of it, which basically means that there's not a lot of vitamin left in the nutrition. It's minerals that are in the nutrition. So it's you've got to access your vitamins from fresh produce. You can't just have cooked grains and cooked legumes and expect to be doing really well because the bulk of the nutrition is going to come from the fresh stuff. And and like you said, the soil that it's coming from is far likely to be more depleted where we're accessing it rather than where they're accessing it. And this yeah. is where the nuance, it's difficult to create this nuance in <clears throat> a visual form like in a series that goes for two hours over four episodes. This is like what you're saying is the danger of any media um, whether it's a podcast like ours, whether it's um, a magazine article, a blog, or a series, it's not that simple. Um, yeah, it's not as no. easy to just. So I know I'm poking holes. I know I'm poking holes. No, but um, this is the important stuff. This is why I think these conversations the that we're stuff. having are important yeah. because it's yeah. not the intention. We're not, and and this is really important. Um, Dan Butner and or Netflix are not intending to oversimplify nutrition. What they are doing is still wanting to edutain the masses, but there has to be – it's like playing grown-ups. We have to be mindful that it's not just, oh, they said that, so we go do that. It's actually yeah. a bit more complicated than just combining corn and beans and thinking, oh, I'm saved. Like that's just way too um, – what's the word? Simple. 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 So yeah. – Yeah, that's exactly right. So the other thing that really got my goat was the mum – and you would you would you would know exactly where I'm going with this. The mum saying that her little boy doesn't like to eat the traditional foods. He likes to eat things out of a packet. Now this kid would have been I don't know was he no more than two years old, eighteen months this, old. This had a bit of TV producer all over it here. This let me tell you something. Yeah. I nearly picked up my eighty inch television off the wall and threw it out the window. But I was sitting on a plane watching it on my iPhone. But I was um, I was so angry because I was like, if you can see it and it's in front of you and you've learned it, like it's something that you've been taught. It's a secret of the generations. It's one of the it's one of the most amazing things about survival and longevity in a in in an environment that's incredibly challenging. Um, and hard, like if, if you've learnt a way to prepare food and you grew up with it, why wouldn't you want to give that to your children? Why would you want to buy from a shop rubbish, cack, that's in a plastic bag when you've got access to beautifully prepared foods? Now, they did do a little run through with their camera through the supermarket, and I think the point that they were trying to highlight was that the next generation is not going to achieve longevity because they're making the easy, simple choices for the processed, manufactured foods that are in the supermarket and on the supermarket shelves. And I was a little bit sad and disappointed in that in that commentary. And maybe it's producer producer value there. Maybe it was the producer saying, "Hey, can you just say this?" Um, mate, because I know that that's what they do. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly that, that's my point. That's what I was saying. It's a let's create but, this environment. Um, but yeah, I tell you, it's not far from the truth. When you've got seventy something percent of the population in Australia that are overweight or obese, the the even though our statistics are incredibly high, 
for the amount of people that make it to 100 in Australia. The quality of life is not always there. And so that comes down to the way in which we hack our life to the end. Um, if we're hacking it by not preparing and we're buying uh, processed foods and we're buying fizzy drinks and we're using heaps of sugar and we're cooking with mono mono no what's it called um, hydrogenated vegetable oils and we're and we're doing all that sort of stuff to simplify things we're missing the point and you'll notice that in the preparation of all of the food throughout the whole of the show no one was cooking on a fast fry uh, rapid cook super high heat didn't see an like air fryer demo they're not using an no air, fryer. air fryers no microwaves it was all done on a moderate heat that was um that enabled the food to cook at a good pace not at a rapid pace so there's a few little things in there i think we could have explored more and i'm glad that we're doing this little summary so we can share that oh, stuff so much to say here so much to say um and i love listening to you i love it i love it when you're like gotta be in your bonnet i just love it and i reckon everyone listening is going to love this as well because this gets to the heart of the matter is what does the future look like and i think you and i demo you know, I want to say we're raging optimists, but also not for a bad, not for a bad, not not out of ignorance. Like we no. like to think that the next generation, you've got a beautiful young man who's your son, who I think is 23, yes. and he is an incredible man. And you look at someone like Jackson and go, there's the future right there. We're in a good place. Now, yeah. do we choose to look at Jackson or do we choose to look at you know, four other 23-year-olds that are not in a great place. I mean, do we go, well, that's the future? I think the question that we all have to ask ourselves is what future are we creating? And I talk to clients who are grandparents saying your life has never been more important than it is now because you are showing your grandchildren how to live. And it's also, like you said, parents who might be in their 30s or 40s um, as much as it might be uh, uh, young adults in their early 20s. The question is, and we had this come up in Ikaria when um, Yanni was telling us about, you know, young kids who are on mobile phones, you know, like they're all distracted or um, the, the, the easy access to processed foods and so on. It's not so much about, oh, my gosh, these kids are in trouble and they're in a world of hurt. It's more, to your point, what is the example that they are being shown here and who is actually going, no, no, you won't eat that food. Like that's not how we do it in our family or our culture or this is the way that we choose to live. Yes, we know there that there are people down there that are going to eat McDonald's and all the rest of it, but we're going to do it differently. And this is the challenge on a on a macro level that Okinawa is experiencing, which I think came up in episode four, is that all of the the centenarians, kids and grandkids are all sick and dying. They're the ones that are diabetes and cancer and overweight and obese going to the Maccas and the KFC because they have refused to um, honour their tradition and for want of a better term, like wide, to take it even more widely, their culture. And I, I don't choose to live in that world of going, oh, well, you know, we're all screwed then. I more feel like the more people that are inspired by what they see on the series and hopefully by the work that you and I do, they go, no, 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 I'm going to live this lifestyle and I'm going to be the one whose life um, uh, my family and friends you know, look at and I'm going to be a mentor to the people around me. And that's the way to make humanity age gracefully, not to you know, um, point to everyone that's doing it poorly because I think yeah, when I saw that, I was like, what What does that achieve for the viewer? 
it felt very disempowering for the viewer. It's like, oh, oh, so we're pretty yeah. much screwed then. We're stuffed. <laughs> we're stuffed. We're stuffed. Like, no, that's yeah. just one lens. Like, yeah, yeah, <sighs> we can still do it really well. Um, Pete asked a question going back to air fries. Um, he says, "Oh no, is there something wrong with air fries?" Um, and it's not necessarily that things are wrong with air fries. It's the speed at which it encourages us to cook, I think, which is like from a philosophical perspective um, challenges me. Um, also, it means that because you're cooking at such a high temperature, you definitely run the risk of uh, running down the nutrient value of the food. Um, even though it's not as hot as, say, oil is, uh, it's just still really, really hot. Um, and, and I'll just say that we don't need to have all our food cooked at that heat. That's all it is, Pete. So. Um, still eating lots of fresh stuff, and then I suppose if you're going to do some frying, then air frying is probably better than cooking with canola oil. No, no doubt about it. <laughs> but I, and I'd also say that it's you know probably better than heating um, other oils such as olive oil um, or even coconut oil at that high temperature. Like if you've got to achieve a fry, um, it's a healthier way to achieve a fry than by using oil at 200 plus degrees. You know you just don't want to do that. So um, yeah, that's that's where I go with that. When we talk about future pacing and future generations and all that sort of stuff, obviously there's going to be changes to the food supply and obviously there's going to be um, alterations to the way in which we cook and new methods and all that sort of stuff. But the wisdom of the ages would say to us that the fresher the food that we eat, the better. Um, and the least processed the food that we eat, the better. Uh, and the slower we cook the food that we eat, the better. And so there's a few little things that we, you know, we can take away from each of these cultures that are doing a really good job at it. Um, hydration, clearly that's important. So water um, in terms of uh, social lubrication, moderate amounts of alcohol appear to be fine, uh, which is really good. And we're just talking about the nutrition component here. But let's just remember that when we feel that Dan and Netflix put up, as to all of the secrets of longevity, you know, the secrets to living to 100. Food was one part of many different things that made this wheel of success. And so don't just pin all your hopes of longevity on the nutrition that you eat. You've still got to be social. You've still got to be engaged. You've still got to be purposeful. You've still got to move. You've still got to have a faith, a belief in something bigger. You've still got to be... Um, what else was there? Well, the thing is that I've written down that you said earlier, you've still, you still have to struggle. You have to create more struggle in your life because when you create struggle, um, I've just been thinking about this as you talk, we need help, which means we need community. We need people around us. So whether yeah. it's you're having trouble um, uh, yeah. cutting the onions, whether it is that yes. you're having trouble um, accessing some food, whether it is that you're having trouble getting somewhere, whatever it is, like these cultures, and we always remember this from our chat with Evo in Sardinia, the reason why they're nose to tail is because they were a subsistence lifestyle. It was born out of struggle. It's the same with so many yeah. of these cultures. Um, it is born out of struggle. And sometimes I think the only way to say it is we all need to make our lives a little bit harder and a little bit easier, yeah. a little bit harder. Like it's it sounds counterintuitive, but like walking to work instead of driving, um, taking the stairs instead of the lift, you know, walking down to the shops in, to buy a bottle of wine rather than driving down there. Like they're just such they sound seem little uh, and inconvenient, but you look at the way that the blue zone cultures do it, their lives are not easy, and and we are almost addicted to ease. And so I feel like that's just as you're talking, I'm like 
that just for me just feels like such a big thing. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. Don't I mean we don't want definitely. I mean, obviously, life will get easier. There's no doubt about it, and you don't have to make your life so hard that you know you're punished. Um, but yeah, you have to live under the ground in a cave, no electricity, <laughs> off grid, grow everything from scratch, and um, <laughs> not have any heat source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're very blessed, you know, so it potentially means that we can get a whole lot more out of our life, you know, because we're not spending six or eight hours farming the land. Um, but they farm the land because they want to get access to great quality produce. So if you're going to do six or seven hours of something else in the day, then just make sure you continue to get access to great quality produce. Um, if you're going to maintain connection with people um, and it's easier to get to them, still spend the right amount of time to go and connect with them rather than trying to fit in an extra hour's worth of work because you know that you can drive there. Um, still find a way to go and have adequate amounts of connection with people. That's really important. You know, having fun and laughing and telling jokes and being close to your family and all of these other little secrets that come from that wheel that Dan, you know, pulled together. The, the thing, you know, was really interesting today. We were playing and – um, and DJ said to me, he said, um, did you like the series? And I said, DJ, I loved the series. I loved the series because what it did is it highlighted so much more of the longevity story, the longevity piece than just the nutrition piece. And so I think, you know, if there's a message that comes through and what we've speak, spoken about in the first four parts of our little summary of Dan Butner's Live to 100 is that there's a lot more to longevity than just nutrition. Mm. Oh, this has been such a good conversation, Damo. I'm really grateful that you had the courage to bring up the tough stuff. I do think this conversation about the future, it's a mature one and I really love the conversation around amino acids and food combining and all of those things because I love that you added the nuance to it that, again, difficult to do in an entertainment um, medium space but I love the fact that we could have this conversation and you could bring that knowledge uh to the fore we are going to leave it there on this episode on the next episode damo do you think it will be our last episode review i think that will make it a five-part so. review of a four-part series do you think <laughs> we've got one more <laughs> i think so i think so we'll do one more app um talking about that but talking about, about singapore because there's a really amazing things about singapore and i was only there last week or the week before um so i've got a i've got a perspective on it um obviously my son lives in singapore now so i've got a you know even broader lens on what singapore has to offer and i and i loved what they spoke about and we we might have been bringing a little bit of the finnish government um in what they have tried to achieve with developing blue zones um given our interaction with the finnish um yes. authorities in Ikaria some years ago now. And and I will say, a lot of people are like, when are you going to interview Dan Butner? I'm going to put my hand up and go, I haven't tried that hard because of the time zones and I can't be bothered doing interviews at 5.30 in the morning, which is probably going to be when Damo and I are going to have to rise and shine to do it. But I think this series may be the tipping point. Um, yeah. We have had some social media interaction over the years Thayer and Dan are very good friends, so I will work harder. On behalf of our listeners, I, hand on heart, will work harder at organizing that interview and make it happen, and we'll make it a double episode, and we'll ask all the big questions uh, because I know that this series has really unlocked some curiosity for people, and it's about time, Damo. 550 million episodes in, it's about time. (laughs) Yeah, it is about time. It won't be a joy to get Dan on. Um, Yeah, I think it'd be great. 
Jerry Seinfeld lookalike Dan Buchner. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed this uh, conversation, folks, and you'd like to do it around a dining table in Ikaria and or Sardinia, we're off to Ikaria August 22 to 31 in 2024, and then the day after we fly to Rome and to Sardinia, Sardinia September 1 to 10 2024, you can join us for either 10 days or 20 days, depending on how crazy you are. All the details and to set up a call with myself are at 100notout.com. You'll see a page there for Ikari, a page there for Sardinia. Um, Damo, for your wisdom, thank you so much. And to everyone of you that has been watching and listening, may the rest of your life continue to be the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.